Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. The video's a lie. We, no, we are going to finish up our 2020 for 2022 vision sermon series next Sunday. Um, we are going to be talking, next Sunday is going to be a great Sunday, especially if you are newer around here or if you have some friends who are thinking about, hey, I might come to church with you someday to the foundry, but I kind of want to know what they're all about. Next Sunday it is. I'm going to combine two weeks, what I was originally going to preach this Sunday and next week into one. So it's going to be a whirlwind of a sermon, but it is going to be talking a lot about what the Lord has done in our midst what we're praying for him to do, and uh, how we can step into the will that he's called us for in the years to come, and just some of that exciting news and some of those fun uh, things, the vision, that preferred future that we have in his name and for his glory in the years to come. So make sure you're here next Sunday. This Sunday, we're going to take a little bit of a pause because I didn't know if I was going to be here or not, but I flew in last night, and Christina is going to help me tag team this sermon like WWE wrestlers, all right? (laughs) No? No? Okay. And so um, we, are, uh, we are thankful for you guys and your prayers over the last week and the couple weeks and, and uh, just your support. And um, I continue to pray. And we, uh, we'll be traveling back and forth quite a bit, taking care of my mom and getting her all set up and ready. And uh, we're leaving tomorrow and going back for a few days, and then we'll do the funeral later uh, in the uh, month. So if you don't know, yes, he... Uh, was here, the OG, that was a good way to put it, um, kind of leading us into what we are here now as the foundry, as a replanted church, and uh, taught me everything, was a good, uh, good example of a dad, but also a better example of what it meant to be a Christian man, to be a, uh, a preacher, and to be a, a leader and a fellow believer in his name. So we covered your prayers, we thank you for your prayers and your uh, support, and so with that, I want to share a little story that had me thinking when I was traveling around the last couple uh, of weeks. It's actually about Christina. Christina and her grandparents' farm. Her grandparents own a farm in southwest Virginia in the middle of nowhere, literally the middle of nowhere. Like, you got to go four hours off the highway. It's in Pennington Gap, Virginia. I mean, it just sounds like the middle of nowhere, right? And you get there, and uh, it's a 100-acre farm. It's an old farm that's been in their family since, like, uh, I think the early 1800s, right after the Revolutionary War, right, right at the turn of that, the, from the 1700s to the 1800s. It's been in their family. And when her grandparents retired out of Louisville, Kentucky, they moved back to the family farm and, and kind of rebuilt up the farmhouse, and they were very proud of it. And when Christina was in college, she would take her friends to uh, the, the farm every chance, like every fall break, winter break, whatever. She would load her friends up in the car, and they would go all the way to the middle of nowhere in Pennington Gap, and they would uh, experience the farm, right, in, in this middle of nowhere area. She would give them the tour. She would, it was always starting at the, the corn crib, and, and then it would go past the old farmhouse. It would, it would go past the, the rock house. It would go across some of the cattle uh, fields. It would go into some of the corn fields. And, and one particular case, it was just her and her roommate, and she got a little cocky. Because what happened is usually Christina would, would, uh, 
would uh, pile in the front seat of a farm truck. You guys know the kind of truck I'm talking about, right? Everything's broken on it except for the engine, which is kind of broken, right? And then everyone else would, would just pile into the back of the, the, the bed of the truck, and her grandpa would drive them around as Christina pretended to be a, a tour guide. But this time, she was a little cocky, and she said, Grandpa, I want to drive the truck by myself, All right? Well, broke her grandpa's little heart, broke grandpa's there. <laughs> Oh, you have a picture of the farm. <laughs> All right, that's the, that's the farmhouse. All right, so she, I didn't even know you had a picture. Very cool. All right, so Christina, Christina uh, piled in there with her roommate, and they took off. They went on the normal tour. They went past the mitten house, the rock house. They, they finally got to the point where it was Christina's favorite place on the farm, and that's the family cemetery, which is at the very top of the mountain. Um, you have to take a logging road to get up there. And the logging road is kind of just barely wide enough for the truck to get through. And what you do is you drive all the way up there. It's a pretty long drive on the backside of the farm at the highest point of the farm. And then you kind of make a loop and you come back down, right? And that's, she's done it a hundred times with her grandpa. And this time by herself, she gets up there and she didn't realize that the road isn't just one single loop. It actually splits, there's another logging road. And so she takes the wrong way. She, two roads diverged in the woods, and she chose the wrong path. She's laughing because after a mile or so going deeper into the woods, she realized she has no idea where she is. She's lost. And so she starts a, what is told to be a 200-point turn. Right? Because <laughs> she just can't turn around. Right? So she's pulling the... Austin Powers thing, right? <laughs> Took me a moment to remember that. Uh, she pulls the 200-point turn, breaks off both of the mirrors of the truck. It's okay because it's a farm truck. But then she gets stuck between two trees, bumper to bumper, right? Can't move. And so she climbs on top of the truck after crying for about 30 minutes and figuring out what to do. 29 and a half minutes. She climbs on top of the truck, onto the very roof of the truck, and she calls her grandpa. The only place she can get cell phone reception. And all she says is, is save me. Save me. And so about 30, 40 minutes later, here comes old Doyle Cook on his trusty John Deere tractor. Right? Pulls her out, takes her home, rescues her. And look, look, this is the thing, right? She was saved. She was rescued. And as a people, as uh, human beings... We all love a good rescue story, don't we? I mean, just take, take a look, right? We all love a good rescue story, a story where a damsel is in distress, right, and is rescued by a cute old grandpa on a John Deere tractor, right? Or a, a story where, where just it all seems lost and, and, and something or someone just swoops in and, and saves the day. We all love when everything just works out in the end. We love to see just the, the silly mistakes and problems come together in a way that comes out into a rescue. But do you know what we don't love? Right? <laughs> everything it takes to, to have that rescue. Having to admit that she has no idea what she's doing in the track or on the, in the truck on the farm or getting lost, making the call, right? We just don't know. We don't, we don't like doing everything it takes to have the rescue story that we so kind of long for. 
And so to explain this a little bit further, I'm going to have Christina share with us another couple illustrations about this. So there's a there's a famous saying that everyone wants a miracle, but nobody wants what it takes to have a, need a miracle, <laughs> um, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. Uh, I've said this before, and I will probably say it till I die. I love Hallmark movies; they are my favorite. <laughs> um, they always end happily. I love that they're predictable and that everything is going to work out in the end. But there's another part in the Hallmark movie that always happens. And it's at the hour and 40 minute mark. I'm serious. You can set your clock by it. <laughs> the hour and 40 minute mark, everything falls apart. Literally everything falls apart. The, the girl gets the job offer and she might have to move back to the big city. <laughs> or the guy finds out something about the girl and so he thinks she's a liar. It's usually a big communication error that they just need to talk to each other. But <laughs> those last 20 minutes of a Hallmark movie, I hate them. I, I mean, I loathe them. I, I watch a Hallmark movie almost every Sunday while Andrew's taking his Sunday afternoon nap. And at that hour and 40 minute mark, I always take the dog out because I don't want to watch what's happening. <laughs> I really hate that part in the movie. And I think we all hate that part in life too. I, I think that we get to that part in our life and we get a pit in our stomach we get angry, we get anxious, and just like the movie, we don't want to talk about it. We want to ignore it. Listen, I am well aware in Hallmark movies that everything is going to work out in the end, but I still hate that part. And I think we as Christians, we know, we are well aware that everything is going to work out in the end, but sometimes we forget. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about those 20 minutes or for you, maybe it's been a day or a year. Some of you have been in the 20 minutes for a decade, and you don't really feel, feel like there's a way out. I want to talk about those 20 minutes. I want to take this time to remember that in the midst of those 20 minutes, we serve a God who is faithful and trustful, trustworthy, I'm sorry, and may even have a reason for that suffering. So... And I will be shorter today because I am not Andrew. <laughs> so today we're going to be in the book of Romans. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Um, if you don't have your Bible, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. Those are yours to take with you. They are yours to give away. Um, there's just something special about having a Bible in your lap. So go ahead and open to Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, you can download the Foundry Burke app and click the Bible tab. This is pulled up for you there. And while you're turning there, I just want to give you a big picture view of what the book of Romans is. I like to do this before I talk about the verses. Um, <clears throat> the book of Romans was written by Paul, as most of the New Testament is. <laughs> it was written by Paul, interestingly enough, before he had ever even visited Rome. He um, heard about the church in Rome, wanted to visit, and so he wrote them a letter about the year 57 A.D., so during this time, the church in Rome is like hopping. They're, they're doing great. They're growing. They're thriving. It's before 
um, they get a new Caesar and they start getting persecuted. <laughs> so everything's going great for them. But they are also a very young church. And so they needed a serious dose of basic gospel doctrine. And so that's why most of the time when people ask me, they come to me and they say, I want to know about the Christian church. I want just the basics. I want fundamentals. Tell me about the Christian church. I usually point them to two books, the book of Acts and the book of Romans. The book of Acts will give you the history of the church, how it started, what we're supposed to look like. And the book of Romans gives you a lot of what we're supposed to believe, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to pray, those kind of things. So those are two very good books for you to read. We're not going to read the whole thing today. <laughs> we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, like I said, and we're just going to focus on one verse. So let me read it. It's Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Um, so Andrew found out on Tuesday that he needed to fly home. And he got out what they call in the biz his emergency sermon. <laughs> and, and he handed it to me and he said, read over this. We'll work together. We'll add some stories about you. We'll, it'll, it'll be great. Just read over it. So panicked, <laughs> I went home, I opened it up, and I saw this verse, and I literally laughed out loud. <laughs> Our family is going through it right now, and this emergency sermon that Andrew wrote two years ago is about how it's all going to work out for good. I, I mean, talk about God showing up. <laughs> I just, I couldn't help it but laugh. Um, but, and also... It also reminded me that, listen, <clears throat> our family's going through it, but I feel like a lot of families are going through it right now. Um, and I'm sure you've heard this verse. Some of you who are going through it, someone may have even said this verse to you, which, by the way, it's not always a great time to tell people this verse when they're going through it. <laughs> but uh, this is a very famous verse. Um, but here is the truth about Romans 8, 28. Take a look. Romans 8.28 is one of the most frequently quoted, yet possibly the least believed verses in the Bible. And I'll say that again. Romans 8.28 is one of the most frequently quoted, yet possibly one of the least believed verses in the Bible. Romans 8.28 is one of those verses that you can find in Hobby Lobby on a plaque to hang over your fireplace. <laughs> Some of you might have it in your house today, and that's fine. No judgment. <laughs> I'm not even saying take it down. I'm just saying maybe we should talk about it. Because if we're to, to believe it, I think we need to be honest about it. I think we need to talk about how sometimes it doesn't feel like it's true. So let's be honest. All things are not good. <laughs> There are heartbreaks, there is loss, there are disabling conditions, there's crime, there's tornadoes, there's death, there's infertility, there's money problems. I mean, could, do I need to go on? Things are not all good. Earlier in the book of Romans in verse 22, Paul even says, the whole of creation groans. Anybody been groaning a little bit lately? 
um, Andrew and I have the privilege of hearing a lot of your prayer requests and know that we do pray for them as a couple. Our staff prays for them. Our worship team prays for them. Our volunteers pray for you on Sunday morning before you all get here. But I got to say, as a church, it is not just Pastor Andrew and myself's family that's going through it right now. There, this is a tough season for a lot of you. And if it isn't for you, look to your right or your left at your neighbor. It probably is for them, and they're your family. So congratulations, it's a tough season for you too. <laughs> Things are not great right now. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just trying to be honest. Suffering is not fun. Suffering is hard. Before we get to the everything working together for good stage of life, it's hard. It stinks. And maybe some of you are just starting the dark part of your journey, or maybe some of you have been in it for what feels like your whole life. But wherever you are, you hear this verse and you're like, well, of course it's one of the least believed verses. Look at my life. How am I supposed to believe that? And here's what I would say. Truth is still true. No matter what you're going through, truth is still true. Romans 8.28 is still true. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still holy. He is still righteous. He is still omniscient meaning he knows what's going on, and he is still God. He's still working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Um, if you follow Andrew on social media, you know that this year he's been reading a book a week and then posting a, a quote about it. One of the ones he recently read is a book called Holier Than Thou by Jackie Hill Perry. I am also reading it, but I'm a much slower reader. Um, <laughs> I highly recommend it, but there's a quote in it that says this. If God is holy, then he can't sin. And if God can't sin, then he can't sin against you. And if he can't sin against you, shouldn't that make him the most trustworthy being there is? What she's saying is that this verse can be trusted because of who God is. Over and over again during this season, I have been repeating to myself, God is still holy, so he can still be trusted. I may not understand it, but God is still holy, so he can still be trusted. I may not like it, I may hate it, <laughs> but God is still holy, so he can still be trusted. It may not feel good, but God is still holy, so he can still be trusted. God still has a plan, and he can still be trusted with the working of all things together for good. God is still God. God is coming with us in the brokenness, but he has his eyes on the good that he's working towards. And Romans 8.28 is that clear reminder of the goodness and sovereignty of God. It is a necessary strong tower in the distance that we can look to and lean on. It is a promise of God that we can cling to. <clears throat> now, you Navy men will know this. Well, 
honestly, all of you will know this because I know nothing about boats, but <laughs> here's the truth. An anchor is connected to a ship by a heavy chain made of links. That chain is the key to the anchor's mission. An anchor is no good if it's not connected to a ship. And the links, well, the heavier the links, the better the anchor. Listen, we are ships. We're, we're prone to uh, moving about and leaning and getting off track when things are rough. But the tighter we cling to his promises, the more we believe him and believe in those promises, the bigger the links of our chain to God. The more we are anchored to him and the better hope we have for tomorrow. So for the rest of our time together, I want to focus on three promises that will hopefully build up the link in our chain. And there are three words, and they all start with the letter R, so they should be very easy to remember. (laughs) And I hope that by the end of this that you will have more belief in Romans 8.28 because you have more belief in the promises of God as you're going through your suffering. And you might even find a reason for your suffering. Okay, here we go. (laughs) The first word is reliance. Suffering is sometimes a call to just trust God and hold on and not trust the life-sustaining things of this world. I want you to listen to a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 8. It says this, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This is another book written by Paul, and he just, he's being honest about his suffering too. He's saying, it was bad. Like, I didn't want to be alive, it was that bad. But there was a reason, and it was to remind me to rely on God when everything else is falling apart. Suffering sometimes can remind us that we don't have it all, but God does. I often make fun of Andrew because, well, just in general, but (laughs) I make fun of him because he has made me this survival kit box for our car in case I ever get stranded on the side of the road. And when I say box, I mean it's the size of our car. It's huge. (laughs) And he's put it back there. We can't put anything else back there. But (laughs) he has made it for me in case I ever get stuck on the side of the road. It has, I don't know everything that's in it, but I know that it has water in it, snacks, jumper cables. I think there's a set of tools in there. There's a saw. There's even toilet paper. (laughs) Everything is in there. But here's the thing about that. If there ever was a zombie apocalypse and I got stuck on the side of the road, nothing in that survival box is going to save me because I don't know how to use any of it. (laughs) 
I mean, I know how to use the toilet paper, but I don't know how to use anything else. <laughs> I can't rely on that other stuff because I have never had to suffer in that way. I've never had to learn to lean on those tools. So maybe you're going through a hard time right now and you're waiting to see the rescue. You're waiting for grandpa to come over the hill on his tractor. <laughs> and you're asking why. Well, well, maybe it's because you haven't learned to fully rely on the promise that it says in Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Maybe the good he is working toward is a richer and fuller reliance on him. All right. The next word is repentance. We're being honest today, so let's face it. Some of us just need a good kick in the pants. <laughs> Some of us have long since gone the wrong way on this journey. Forget forging our life on God. We're not forging um, anything that's even remotely close to him. And we found ourselves in the midst of this mess it seems like there's no way out, and we don't know why. Well, um, Andrew and I recently watched this, um, a talk by Beth Moore about praying bold prayers for your children. Um, I know we don't have children, but we're already praying bold prayers for them. <laughs> but one of the interesting things she mentioned during this talk was about children who have lost their way, who are rebelling, who aren't really focused on the right things. And um, she said that sometimes we might need to be willing to ask God to bring hard circumstances into their lives in order for them to see the folly of their rebellion. Think praying not for your prodigal son to go home, but praying that your prodigal son would experience a fall from grace so they can experience the grace of God. So during this talk, she said something that I will never forget, and I, I wanted to share it with you. She said about praying these hard prayers that many parents will not pray that prayer because we are more concerned about our kids being successful than being godly. Listen, sometimes God has allowed the suffering and the mess in your life because he is more concerned with his children being godly than being anything else. He doesn't care about the big job or the nice new car, or the big house, or the straight A's, or winning the competition. He doesn't care about those things if they are getting in the way of him knowing you. Remember, he is working all things, not just small things, not just temporary things, all things, eternal things. He has the big picture in mind. And he's calling some of us to repentance. Because he wants us to try to turn and remember this promise that says in Acts, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. He wants to refresh you, but you've got to repent first. Maybe the good he's working toward in your life is a life forged on him and nothing else. Our final word for today, told you I was going to be short. Our final word for today is reminder. 
Sometimes in our suffering, when we're in the midst of it, when we have not been rescued yet, our truck is still sideways on the dirt path. (laughs) Sometimes that serves as a reminder that Jesus was there too. Everything that that you were going through, he once went through it too. You're experiencing loss. One of his very best friends died and he wept. You're having money problems. The son of man did not even have a rock to lay his head on. He was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Which brings me to, you're having some friend problems? Well, his friend sold him to death. Another friend denied him three times, and the rest of them just plain ran away. You name it, he went through it. And when we are suffering, we can remember this great promise. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. When God says he's working all things together for your good, that's the goal he has in mind. When he was suffering, that was the goal he had in mind, to bring you safely home to him. To rescue you, to come through in the end, to come up over the horizon on a John Deere tractor (laughs) and to save you. Our suffering can remind us of Christ's suffering. And Christ's suffering gives us the ultimate hope for things working together for good. An eternal, safe home with God. As the band comes up, Andrew's going to close us out with one more story. So a couple weeks ago, Christina and I decided to geek out and to watch all three of the Lord of the Rings movies, plus all three of the Hobbit movies. And in one of my favorite of all those series, the second one, right, the Lord, uh, the, the Two Towers, right? Yeah. I knew he would know. <laughs> the Two Towers, the second movie of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, this, this is what's happening. The people of Rohan uh, have fled to a place called Helm's Deep. Right, to, to fortify themselves against the coming orc army. Right? They, they're sent to um, this place because it has never been taken. And so they fortify their keep, their last resort, because uh, Sorum is, is trying to take over their kingdom. And I know I'm kind of revealing my inner geek here, but, uh, but hear me out. Right? The, the battle of Helm's Deep, this battle that they're entering into, is an important battle for the survival of Middle Earth. I think this is their their last stand. All right, but the, but this battle is a little different. After a, a long night of fighting, the once impenetrable uh, keep that they were securing starts to break down. Their last line of defense starts to to break, and the and the keep is starting to crumble all around them. And all hope seems lost for the forces of good. Righteousness and hope. J.R. Tolkien making a, a reference to the kingdom of God there. Right when it, when everything seems lost, the the sun sun starts starts rising, and, and they they remember something that Gandalf, their their friend, said to them. And Gandalf is this this great and mighty wizard. If you've read these books, right before he he left. 
he, he promised them this. He said, look to my coming. Look to me, to my coming. At first light on the fifth day at dawn. Look. He said, the, the sun is rising and over the horizon, Gandalf appears with reinforcements to save everyone. Right when he said he was going to. And that's what Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 28 means. Right? That's what it promises us. Right? That, that someday, maybe not, not this side of heaven, not this side of paradise, but someday, our Lord, the God that we forge our life on, will appear over the horizon. He's going to be there to rescue us and to show us what good, perfect, pure, and joy, love, peace, and all these things really are. He's going to show us that. That's our God. That's our God. No matter what is thrown in our path on this side of heaven, He's with us. Promises that he's going to come again and never have to experience it again. Let's stand and worship this God.